Hey now, we are getting over and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times. With the NXT Battleground Ultimate Preview Edition of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. That's right, Getting Over is back for the second of five times this week to break down everything that happened Tuesday night on NXT and offer you an ultimate preview for NXT Battleground, NXT's first premium live event since WrestleMania weekend. Already in your podcast feed is an ultimate preview for WWE Night of Champions. Do not miss that coming up on Thursday here on the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. We will have your AEW Double or Nothing ultimate preview. Saturday, your WWE Night of Champions instant reaction. And then Sunday, a combined AEW Double or Nothing and NXT Battleground instant reaction show. Five episodes, one week, because you know that this podcast is all about Defy. So I think the least you can probably do is head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify, leave us a five-star rating on Apple, take a little extra time, leave a five-star written review, because if you do, we will read it live right here on the show. You can also head on over to Twitter, Give us a follow at Getting Overcast, not only for episode drops, news analysis, highlights, all that good stuff, but we will have pre and post show polls ahead of all three of those major events this weekend, as well as live pre shows on Twitter spaces. Again, on Twitter at Getting Overcast. And there's one more reminder that I'd like to give you before these shows kick off. I happen to love the number. Five. I love that number because on buymeacoffee.com slash getting over, you can become an official getting overhead for $5 a month. You get bonus audio, news posts, and any questions or comments that you provide over there, get on the show. So don't forget, join us over at buymeacoffee.com slash getting over $5 a month, and you get all of that. Plus, really more important than the extra stuff, you get to support myself, the Silver King Adam Silverstein, and vintage Chris Vanini. Now, today on this NXT show, The Silver King is riding solo. Vintage will be back for the AEW Double or Nothing Ultimate Preview on Thursday, and he'll be with us all weekend for both of the instant reaction shows. But let's not waste any more time. Let's get right into everything that happened Tuesday night on NXT, as well as our NXT Battleground Ultimate Preview later in this show. As an overview of what we got Tuesday night on NXT, I got to say, I was kind of disappointed for the second straight week. It just didn't necessarily hit for me as a go-home show. There were two matches that I thought were straight-up bangers, and there were a couple other storylines that developed in really interesting ways. But top to bottom, I'm not as excited about Battleground as I was about Stand and Deliver and some of the other NXT solo premium live events we've had over the last few months. There's just something that kind of feels missing. It almost feels a little bit like a glorified TV special. And really, if it wasn't for the finals of the NXT Women's Tournament, I would kind of say that Battleground, I don't want to call it skippable. That's not really the right word because I think there's a lot of stuff on it that's going to bang from a match quality standpoint. I would just say it feels more like a TV special than it does a premium live event. But nevertheless, let's get into first what happened Tuesday on NXT, then we'll break down every single match on Battleground with picks and predictions for them. So on NXT, Gigi Dolan wearing all black, talked about not trusting others for a long time before ultimately making the mistake of letting JC Jane inside only to get torn apart from the inside out. 
for letting her guard down. JC then appeared in the crowd saying she outgrew Gigi and was sick of carrying her. Dolan said Jane was the third wheel. They argued about beating each other and Gigi threw down a rubber match challenge. JC called her social media game, you know, basically garbage. Then she accepted the challenge for next week, but she upped the stakes to a steel cage match. Gigi said that she's real and JC is a fake ass bitch. So she upped the stakes even further, calling for a weaponized steel cage match. The issue here is they both cut their promos in these really like high-pitched kind of shrill manners. It was to the point that my head actually started hurting listening to them. Now, the actual content of the promos, the back and forth, the challenges, all of that was pretty well done. It's just that both of them kind of need to be taught the microphone in their hands amplifies their voices and they're in a tiny little performance center, not an amphitheater or something. So you don't need to scream and you don't need to be that high pitched to get your point across. Look at their promos compared to what we got with Trish Stratus and Becky Lynch on Raw Monday night. Becky sitting in her chair, relaxed, talking shit. I'm not saying they have to be relaxed like her. And you know what? Few probably can cut promos like Becky, who I maintain is the best female promo of all time. So that's not a great or fair comparison to compare them to someone I believe is the greatest of all time in that manner. Still though, they can learn something from just kind of like, take your shoulders back a little bit, take a breath, and then deliver the promo that you wanna deliver. And if you wanna argue, argue, but you don't need to keep screaming at the other person. Now, I'm glad we're getting the rubber match on TV and not shoved into battleground. I saw people disappointed that this wasn't on the big show. I mean, perhaps that's fair because it's a blood feud, but you have to remember it's been start and stop. Both the matches that they've already had were really short. There were injuries in both of those matches. There's already an extreme match, a last man standing on battleground. So for me, this just wasn't necessary on that show. I do actually find it ironic and somewhat interesting that NXT does women's wrestling, at least in terms of TV time, better than the main roster, better than AEW, and on par, maybe slightly below impact. Yet WWE Night of Champions is gonna have three women's matches for Blood Money in the Sand in Saudi Arabia, and NXT Battleground is only gonna have one. So it is interesting in that respect, and you could say, well, maybe they should have been on it, so there was a second women's match. But really, to me, that's the only reason why you could say, hey, put this on the premium live event. The feud, despite being a blood feud, hasn't delivered to where it needs to be on a show like that. And I think as the main event of an NXT, it'll do quite well. Anyway, the booking made total sense. Uh, What this segment needed more than anything else was polish. And hopefully we get some of that in the actual in-ring action next week. Uh, Tony D'Angelo was being interrogated at the police station. He tried to bribe the detective who showed him a video. Of course, he denied that it was him in the video. Then another officer came in to show the detective more footage. They later came back and cuffed D'Angelo. This was clearly supposed to be some type of mystery arrest because we've gotten two weeks of this with zero information. I'm kind of curious to see how it turns out. If it's just Gallus that kind of turned them in, that's going to be massively disappointing. If it's something beyond that, a new character or just a fresh type of storyline, then I'll be interested in it. Von Wagner fought Luca Crucifino. Luca cut a promo on the steps of the Orange County Courthouse, promising that Vaughn would regret not settling their beef in court once they actually get in the ring together. Crucifino wrestled in the cutoff shirt and a collar with a tie underneath a vest. I think he also had a wallet sticking out of his pants. He had a really cool hip toss converted into a neck breaker type of move. I've never seen that before. Uh, then he put hands on Mr. Stone, grabbed the photo of Vaughn out of Stone's pocket, 
and called him a freak. Wagner then beat his ass over the ropes and got DQ'd on the referee's five count. So then he threw Cristofino into the barricade and was about to powerbomb him into the announce table when Stone stopped him. Wagner, though, eventually changed his mind and did the powerbomb. The table didn't break, though Luca sold it really well, hanging off the side of it like he was a dead fish. And then Stone yelled at Wagner for a bit after that. I'm just kind of lost on what this is supposed to be. Wagner standing up for Stone made sense. Stone demanding he discuss this picture week after week. It still doesn't make sense. And Stone trying to stop him from brutalizing a guy who put hands on Stone doesn't make sense either. Beyond all of this, it's the same Von Wagner in the ring and out of the ring. The ceiling for him is just so incredibly low. I get that he's a legacy and I get that there's a size thing there and he looks powerful and he can throw people around. This just continues to go nowhere fast. And I think I said this last week, but there's just so many, without the problematic portions of the real life aspect, so many comparisons between Wagner and Lars Sullivan that you could make. It just feels like, again, it's going nowhere and they're trying to make Von Wagner happen. And folks, I just don't think it's going to happen. Stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. Uh, Axiom fought Daba Kato. Axiom tried chopping down Kato only to get turned inside out with a lariat and planted with a sit-down double choke bomb in a couple of minutes. Kato then brutalized Axiom after the bell until Reggie, as Reggie, without the script's mask or gear, he was just wearing all blue. He botched a flip into the ring, but he did make the save. He tried to make good with Axiom, but they just argued and the segment kind of just ended. It was an interesting development. I'd have liked to see more wrestling here. Axiom is way more talented than being stuck in a feud or now maybe a tag team with Reggie. He should be fully involved in what they're doing now with the Heritage Cup with Nathan Frazier and Noam Dar and Dragon Lee. I mean, Axiom should just be part of all of that stuff. And I don't know, kind of putting Reggie on his shoulders as like an albatross. It's it's going nowhere fast is what I'm trying to say. Uh, Hank Walker fought Tank Ledger. These guys actually entered together, which was a really fun element to the interesting booking. If you remember the storyline from last week, they're tag team partners and friends who saw what happened to Brooks and Jensen. They said they got closer when they fought each other, so they decided to do the same thing. Booker T on commentary shared his experience, saying that this is counterproductive for a tag team. I thought that was interesting. And then Vic Joseph also asked him about his dinner order, which was a great callback to a couple weeks ago with the TGI Friday's uh, chicken parmesan. It ended in three minutes of the match with a double cross body spot where they collided in the ring and then Walker falling on top of Ledger for the win. I've never seen a match end like that. I thought it was really smart booking and I didn't mind the time being short because both these guys are neophytes. This was a training match. This is classic NXT developmental type of segment. So I thought that was really good. And that's it. That's what happened on television that did not directly relate to NXT Battleground. So let's go ahead, get to the NXT Battleground Ultimate Preview where we break down every single match, including what happened this week on NXT, and then offer a prediction with a pick at the end. So we're going to have an Heritage Cup match, Noam Dar, the trophy holder against Dragon Lee. On NXT, Dar fought Nathan Frazier. This was a great match, bell to bell. Frazier hit a really nice single leg spinning dropkick and a springboard inverted DDT. Dar avoided a Phoenix Splash and countered an Inseguri into a midair dragon screw. Dragon Lee came out late to talk to the Heritage Cup. That distracted Dar, Uh, and he ate a Tope Suicida from Frazier. Frazier immediately came back with a Phoenix Splash and got the win. NXT Anonymous later found Dar asking Oro Mensa to be his second at Battleground, only to get denied. Interesting booking here to have the cup holder 
lose a signature match. Uh, it was the best one that we got on NXT this week. Losing that match five days before we presume he's going to lose the cup. Now, maybe that ultimately won't be the case. Maybe Dar finds someone else to help him and that person allows him to retain the cup. But it's surprising booking nonetheless to have him lose here on the go-home when we expect him to lose on the premium live event. Great match though. Frazier is more impressive every single time he gets in the ring. And while Dar may be annoying as a character, he can go in between the ropes. There's no question about that. In terms of the match for Battleground, Dar against Dragon Lee, you know, I think they're looking for something to elevate Dragon Lee in this period of time that he's in NXT. And it does seem like he's going to be there for like 12 to 18 months, and then they're going to try to bring him up to the main roster. You're not going to make him NXT champion. And there's a real good argument to make that there's not a great reason to even put the North American championship on him because you want anyone who holds that title to be someone who will be elevated up to the main title in NXT with it. And if you're not going to put Dragon Lee on that course, there's really no reason to give him the North American championship either. So this, the Heritage Cup, seems like the perfect thing for him to carry, have high quality, exciting matches with, and it's a different style for him to wrestle as well, the three-minute round type of format. But I could see the argument where he's perhaps not the right person to be in those types of matches. I still think a short run with the cup would do him well. And I can't imagine them putting Dragon Lee in another signature match here and then having him lose when this guy is supposed to be getting a rocket strapped to him. So I'm going to pick Dragon Lee to win the Heritage Cup. Whether Frazier gets involved or not, whether Dar has a second of his own, I don't know. But I'm picking Lee to ultimately win, and I think that will be the right decision coming out of this. Uh, the North American Championship, speaking of it, will be on the line. Wesley against Tyler Bate and Joe Gacy in a triple threat. Wesley on Tuesday was disappointed backstage about Bate stabbing him in the back by challenging for the title. Bate walked up, but Wes just walked away, and then Bate focused on his match, which was against Eddie Thorpe. So Bate went through all his signatures, hitting bop and bang, plus Tyler Driver 97 for the win. Gacy attacked after the bell with Wes on commentary. He hesitated, but he ultimately decided to make the save. When he did, he accidentally punched Bate, and then both of them ate a double handspring lariat from Gacy to end the segment. This was one of the better executed segments on NXT, which as you can probably tell, I thought was a rough show overall from what I said earlier, but they did build to this match quite well. You know, Wesley, I think right now is operating on one of the, if not the longest North American title reigns in NXT history. And if you want him to lose without getting pinned, this is the great way to do it. And you could have either Gacy take the title or Bate take the title. But I personally believe if you're going to have Wesley drop the strap after this type of run, it should be one-on-one. -on -one. His ass should be getting pinned. I like the idea of Wes being the one to pin Gacy. He continues his run. Gacy doesn't get hurt by it. Um, Bate becomes a non-factor in the finish. And theoretically, Bate could challenge him again. Bate could actually turn heel after the bell pissed off, proving Wesley right to be mad at him. I just don't know that a title change in this match makes that much sense. So I'm going to go and pick Wesley, but I also, if they did change the title, I wouldn't be mad if it went to either of these other two guys. Gacy could use it to elevate him, especially because it looks like Dyad is on their way out of WWE. Bate, he's kind of doing nothing right now. Giving him this strap is a reason to be on TV consistently. But if that does happen, then you're saying, what do you do next with Wesley? You could possibly make him a challenger for Carmelo Hayes. Melo right now is babyface. Babyface, babyface feud. 
Not a huge fan of that. So I'm staying with Wesley as my prediction. But like I said, there's good reasons to change the title if they so choose. Isla Dragunov is going to fight Dijak in a last man standing match. Dragunov blindsided Dijak on his way into the Performance Center on Tuesday and delivered a chair shot. Then he tried to close the garage door on him in direct retribution of what happened a couple of weeks ago. Except for some reason, WWE officials were willing to help Dijak here when they didn't help Isla weeks ago. Dragunov was later cutting a promo in the locker room when Dijak barged into attack with the guy separated by about eight other people. Dijak then entered the ringside area with a couple minutes left in the show because they were going to do the contract signing. Instead, he got blindside attacked by Dragunov. Isla ran him into the steel steps as Dijak sidestepped with something breaking off of Dragunov's body. I don't know if it was like a belt or his watch or something just flew. Uh, Dijak then threw Isla over the barricade into the plexiglass. Dragunov clotheslined him over the same area a couple minutes later. Dijak tried using steel steps only for Isla to take him out with his head bouncing off the steps before Isla hit a falling forearm, standing atop the steps and screaming to end NXT as Dijak eventually got to his feet, selling the stipulation as NXT went off the air. I was real down on this feud last week. I thought the entire torture concept was just stupid. I was also down on the first couple segments here, but holy shit, that brawl to end NXT was straight up fire. I will be utterly shocked if this does not seal the show as the best match at Battleground. We know what both of these guys can do. There's no reason to think this is gonna be anything other than incredible, even if it's using one of my least favorite stipulations in wrestling. And I'll tell you, this is probably my hardest match to predict on the entire show. Largely because there's a lot of rumors and kind of stuff out there that Dragunov is prepared for a call up to the main roster sooner than later. That does not mean immediately after this match, but it does seem like he's not gonna be waiting until next year's WWE draft to get called up. And part of that rumor, I should note, is odd. It's him joining Imperium. Now, maybe he joins and splits soon after, but him and I was gonna say Walter Gunther being on the same team would be notably odd. But I digress back to this. If he is getting called up imminently, Dijak has to win. You gotta put him out on his back and he'll do the job Dijak would benefit from it and keep going. But if they're both staying in NXT, at least for a good period of time, I have to have Dragunov win. Again, this is the guy who's a monster killer. He's taken down Gunther and nearly took him down one time before that. Dijak, while he's been rehabbed immensely, the character, as you guys know, is still not completely hitting for me. I think him beating Dragunov would do great to enhance his profile, but then where does he go? Does he just challenge for the NXT championship? Perhaps he does. And maybe that's the storyline. It's Mello and, and Dijak, and that's where they go next. But I just can't kind of rationalize how you could have Dragunov lose this match if he's remaining in NXT. And that's despite the fact that Dijak just lost to Wes Lee in that great North American championship match that was one of the best NXT matches of the year, and honestly, probably one of the best WWE matches of the year. So my pick is going to be Dragunov, but I have no issue whatsoever if they have Dijak win. I'm not going to shit on the booking. I'm not going to be angry that Isla lost a match. You know, we get so caught up in like the right person winning and the right person losing at the right time. But there are certain matches and certain circumstances where if it's a clean finish, then I don't really care who wins or loses as long as it's good. And that's my situation here. That's my mindset coming into this. 
I don't necessarily care who wins or loses. As long as it's good, Dragunov to me makes the most sense, but Dijak, I'd be totally fine with it. The tag team championships are going to be on the line. Gallus defending against the Creed brothers. Gallus cut a promo bathed in a green light, which was way too much. Like maybe 50% saturation would have been okay, but it was 100 and it was just wild. Uh, they talked shit about the D'Angelo family and Creed brothers until the latter answered and made a challenge official for Battleground. They brawled with Stacks running down to even the sides and get the Creeds back. The Creeds later thanked Stacks for his help and he suggested having their backs at Battleground. The Creeds declined because they've been burned before, but they promised that the family would get the first title shot once they win. Now, the opening segment was rough for everyone involved, Gallus in particular. The promos did not help either team, and the presentation of Gallus, peculiar to say the least. The backstage segment, though, I thought was really solid. It showed the Creeds will be outnumbered, but they remain too prideful and protective to actually take assistance. That kind of leads me to believe that Gallus is going to retain the titles because you have the baby faces who denied help and are now going to be at a three-on-two disadvantage. However, what if Tony D'Angelo gets out of custody? What if Stax helps them anyway? I think there's a lot of interesting ways in which this could go. To me, it seems like D'Angelo family is a larger focus of this story than the creeds are. So ultimately, I'm going to go with Gallus retaining the titles, D'Angelo family eventually challenging them, and being the ones to take the championships off of Gallus. I don't know if I'm going to be correct in that pick. In fact, out of all of my predictions on this show, this is the one I'm least sure about because as you guys know, I've said for weeks upon weeks now, Gallus needs to drop the titles. It's not working as a championship reign. They just need to move in a different direction. But I think that direction is going to be D'Angelo family, not Creed Brothers. So therefore, Gallus retains here in the NXT Tag Team Championship match. The women's championship will be on the line. But first, we had two semifinal matches on NXT. The first, Lyra Valkyria against Cora Jade. Lyra dodged Cora trying something into the ropes and then hit her roundhouse kick for the win in three minutes and 30 seconds. After the bell, Jade took out Valkyria's knee, then attacked it with a kendo stick. So look, I definitely got this wrong from a prediction standpoint because I thought there was no way that Lyra would go over Cora. But what are we even doing here? Three minutes and 30 seconds for a tournament semifinal? This is straight up Queen's crown bullshit. What we got was sloppy as hell. And again, Lyra's roundhouse kick finisher. It's like the fourth different finisher she's tried. And just being candid, they all suck. She is way better in the ring than what we have seen from her from a finishing standpoint. And Cora was rough as hell in this match. She's better than this too. NXT and WWE should be better as well than booking three minute and 30 second women's matches at all, but especially in a tournament semifinal for a championship. This is bullshit, man. Later backstage, Lyra iced her knee, promising to rehab all week and be ready for battleground, even if she won't be 100%. Asked who she wanted to face in that match, she decided not to play politics and instead singled out Roxanne Perez as her choice because she said Roxy is the best in the entire division. So the other semifinal, Roxanne Perez against Tiffany Stratton. This match started real hot with a ton of counters and some really inventive offense both ways. Roxy at two tope suicidas, Stratton countered a flying crossbody, throwing Perez on her shoulders for a forward roll. Roxy then avoided prettiest moonsault ever, but ate a seated spinebuster. Then Perez hit a hurricanrana off the ropes, plus extended offense. 
but Stratton countered Pop Rocks by bouncing Roxy off the ropes, then hitting the forward roll and prettiest moonsault ever to get the win in 10 minutes. After the bell, Stratton and Valkyria argued over the title as Perez was attacked from behind by the woman shrouded in all black, who I think we all continue to believe is the former Bea Priestley, now of course named Blair Davenport. Now this semifinal is what every tournament match ideally should have been. This was a sneaky banger right here. Easily Stratton's best in-ring effort to date, and Perez of course had a ton to do with that. It was so entertaining that I kept looking at my clock, hoping it would get more time. I was like, I hope NXT is not gonna end soon because I wanna see them keep going. With Lyra winning the first semifinal, it's obvious that Tiffany would win here, and it's obvious that Tiffany is gonna be the next NXT women's champion. So there's my prediction and there's my pick. Again, this though is an example of the brackets being unnecessarily lopsided. This match, Stratton versus Perez, should have been for the title at Battleground. There's no way that whatever we get Sunday with Stratton and Valkyria is going to be better in ring or bigger in stature than this match that we got as a semifinal. So I just don't understand the brackets at all. I didn't when they were initially released. I still don't. I like Valkyria again, but just what they're doing with her is not hitting. It's like she's a bird Viking who can't find a finisher and every match she's in is short. And it's not because she can't go, but it's mostly because her opponents can't go. So maybe with Stratton, they'll surprise me and take my opinion here that the wrong match is the final and kind of throw it out, you know, the window, defenestrate it. But I'm sorry, like Perez and Stratton should have been the championship match as of right now. That's my belief. It should have been on this show. And I do think Stratton, though, being crowned champion, which is now inevitable because they're not going to give it to Valkyria with a bum knee. Um, Stratton being crown champion is the right decision, sink or swim type of moment for her. Not that it's the last ditch effort of Stratton or anything like that, but it's a great opportunity for her to say, okay, I can carry a title. I can carry a division. I'm going to be ready for the main roster sooner than later. We've already seen it from a couple other people. Not everyone gets called up immediately, but I'm very excited for Tiffany to win the title. And I'm very excited to see what she does with it as well. And lastly, the main event of the show the NXT Championship Carmelo Hayes defending against Braun Breaker in a rematch of the Stand and Deliver main event. There was an extended video package that didn't really accomplish much. It was mostly just highlights. Breaker did have one good line. Anyone can be him, but no one can be me. Then he said he would massacre Hayes in front of his friends and family. The package on Melo showed him doing local media in Massachusetts. Then immediately after that Hank versus Tank match, the, the one I mentioned earlier, Breaker ran into the ring out of nowhere and speared the ever-loving shit out of both of these guys. His spear on Tank was especially crazy. And then if you remember his spear on Mello a couple weeks ago, I mean, it's crazy to think about this, but Braun Breaker, I'm pretty sure, has the best spear in professional wrestling. It's wild. Uh, this may have been the first time that I can remember a main eventer for a pay-per-view or premium live event, a takeover or a premium live event, actually being live on the go-home edition of NXT in person. And I thought that was great. I would have loved for both of them to be on the show, but at least Braun was. Now, again, in terms of this match, I'm just not really anticipating it. We already got it at Stand and Deliver. It under-delivered and did not meet my nor most of your expectations for it. And now we're getting it again on a smaller stage in front of a smaller crowd and for what purpose? I mean, I know that Breaker turned heel, and that's cool. It was a good decision. It's working out extremely well for him. 
But why are we going immediately right back to it? And then if Hayes beats him a second time, what exactly does Braun do? Because he's not going to be able to build himself back up again for another NXT title match. That's why you don't do an immediate rematch. You make him go through a couple months of having other feuds, and then you give him the title match again. The worst thing that NXT could possibly do on this entire show is put the title back on Braun Breaker. I mean, it would be mind-numbing for him to have a third title reign after just coming off an extremely long one that was only interrupted briefly by the Dolph Ziggler title reign. I mean, Braun was ice cold as babyface champion. And I guess as heel champion, you could say, okay, there's something new to that. And now he can learn how to hold a title and run with it as a heel. But then you're basically cutting Melo off as, as knees saying, okay, you only got the title for two months and now go back to doing nothing on the show. It's Braun who needs to learn how to wrestle and talk in storylines and feuds that do not involve championships. So again, I do have to go with Mello retaining the title in this match, not just as a pick and prediction, but as a hope and a prayer. Because again, I just feel like NXT would take a huge step backward going right back to Braun Breaker as the NXT champion. So I have Mello retaining. And really, when you look at this entire card in terms of what is possible. The only change of anything that I have happening is Dragon Lee winning the Heritage Cup. Of course, NXT Women's Champion is going to be a new person no matter what. Neither Stratton nor Valkyrie have ever held that strap. But I do have retentions in the tag team title match and the North American Championship match. But really, outside of the men's singles match, so Melo and Breaker, any other title changing is totally fine. I would have no booking issues with any of that. It's really just the main event that I think needs to stay on Mello for all the reasons I mentioned. Mello really needs to learn how to work at the top with the title. He can say he was the A champion with the North American strap. He wasn't. And Braun needs to learn how to work without a title. And I love what they're doing with him as a heel. He just has a lot further to go with it before he's ready for prime time. Now, before we wrap up this ultimate preview of NXT Battleground, the last thing I have to do is give you a pre-show expectation Great. And like I said, I'm not overly excited about Battleground from a storytelling standpoint bringing us into the show. But what is undoubted is that there is a ton of in-ring wrestling talent here. And really, I can't find a match that I could even begin to believe would disappoint me. If any of them were to, perhaps it would be Stratton against Valkyria, but that's going to be a crowning moment for Tiffany. So even though my expectations are low, they could exceed them rather easily. But everything else on the show has an opportunity to be a banger. And therefore, even though just from a storytelling standpoint coming in, I'd probably be around like B minus because the in ring has such a high ceiling. I'm going to go extremely low B plus 87 out of 100 as my expectation for the show. I have no idea if they're going to live up to it. There's definitely a shot that they fall below expectations, but I kind of think B plus I mean, A minus is probably the ceiling. I think B plus is exactly where this is going to land at the end of the day, which is why we do a pre-show expectation grade. I tell you my expectation. So that's where I sit coming in. All of you, your voices will be heard on Twitter at Getting Overcast. We will post pre and post-show polls for NXT Battleground that you get to vote in. There will not be a live spaces before NXT Battleground. Rather, it will be a combined live spaces with AEW Double or Nothing and NXT Battleground all in one show. So be sure to join that 
on Sunday, early evening. We'll release the time on Sunday. Don't forget, we already have your WWE Night of Champions Ultimate Preview in the podcast feed on Thursday. We'll have your AEW Double or Nothing Ultimate Preview joining the feed. And then on Saturday and Sunday, we will have two instant reaction podcasts, first on Saturday for WWE Night of Champions, and then on Sunday for both AEW Double or Nothing and NXT Battleground. That means there are two shows down, three more left here on the Getting Over Wrestling podcast, which means it's time for a reminder that this show is all about Defy. So please leave those five-star ratings and reviews for us over on Apple Podcasts. On Spotify, you can also leave a five-star rating. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast for all of the polls and live Twitter spaces that I just broke down for you. And also remember, I happen to love the number... Five. Hit us up at buymeacoffee.com slash getting over. Become official getting overhead for $5 a month. You get bonus shows, news, and direct communication with your boy, the Silver King and Vintage Chris Benini. Again, buymeacoffee.com slash getting over. I appreciate all of you listening to the second of five shows here this week on the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. It is time for the Silver King to sign off and leave you with just three final words. Bye for now. <laughs>